0: and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast.
1: So I think having someone, too, you can work with that you can just be real with and you can have real conversations with because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how productive you are if you're productive in the wrong direction. Sometimes just us having coffee for three hours on a Tuesday afternoon, just sets up our whole quarter for way more success than if I was just hammering out a bunch of retouching for those three hours, right? And you can't even compare them.
0: This is the Portrait System podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one, navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Mitzi Starkweather, and she takes us through her story of graduating from college with an English degree and then deciding to go a completely different direction, and she started a photography business. Mitzi talks with us about how you know she really just struggled a lot at first, but eventually she found her way after she did some personal work, and she talks a lot about how doing that personal work ultimately led her to growing her business so much that she had to hire a full-time employee, and you'll learn all about who she decided to hire and why this decision has grown her business way more than she ever could have imagined during the last three years. This is definitely an episode that got me thinking about my own need to hire someone, and I'm so curious if it'll do the same for you. Okay, let's get started with the beautiful Mitzi Starkweather. Hey, Mitzi, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome.
0: I know. I'm so excited to talk to you. I just love your whole journey through all of this and how you've made all of this work into such a successful business is really inspiring.
1: Oh, I'm really glad I get to share it today because my favorite part of this whole community is the fact that we're real with each other and we talk about stuff. And so the fact that I get an opportunity to give back and maybe help someone else is just so wonderful.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that because from the feedback that we've been getting is hearing all of these different stories from totally different people, different countries, different states, different experiences. It does seem to be really inspiring, and it shows people that, look, you don't have to be, you know, a certain type of person or live in a certain area or whatever to have a really successful photography business. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know a lot of the people that we've interviewed – kind of came out of one career and found photography, but your story is a little bit different. You know, you started quite young. I mean, as young as far as, you know, starting a career goes. So take us back and tell us just how it all went for you.
1: When I think of my life so far, and I'm about to be 30. So when I think about it in kind of like the decades, whenever I was a kid, I, I was actually really privileged. I had an amazing childhood and parents who really encouraged creativity and trying new things. And we had this unfinished basement and it was like the best gift we ever could have had. Uh, My sister and I, we got to put on fashion shows. We got to make TV shows. Actually, when we were little, we started something called B-O-R-E-T-V because we weren't allowed to say that we were bored. And so my mom (laughs) said, go downstairs and make something. So (laughs) we would go downstairs. And so then my parents had to come down and watch all of our performances, of course, which makes sense that as soon as we were old enough to be trusted with a video camera, they gave us one of those. (laughs) And we would make movies, we would do fashion shows. We got a digital camera, I think in like 2002, and uh, it was like a Kodak Share, you know, where you just like set it on the little dock and it would, you know, automatically go on your computer. So we would do these photo shoots and get our friends involved. And I was always the director, cinematographer, writer, and my sister was always the star, usually the villain. Uh, and <laughs> we would just kind of rope whatever friends in, you know, to our creative things. And we just loved doing that. We did that all the time. And I think that that mindset of just making things out of whatever we had and using my mom's old bridesmaid dresses to dress up in and all those things, like, that was my childhood. That was normal to me. And so then when I was a teenager, I continued in photography. And I think the coolest thing, Nikki, was that I got to be right in the days when digital was really taking over. So two thousand six, seven, eight. 7, 8, I got to take black and white film photography classes in high school. And I had this amazing teacher who encouraged me and really believed in that craft and believed in it and fought for it. Even though each year I took the class, the cost of supplies was doubling. You know, that's the time period we were in. So I think that having her influence in my life and the friends I made in that class, who are still some of my closest friends, was really, it's kind of like I see my life as like, that's like the before and after point. So in high school, that was how I expressed myself. I also wrote a lot. And so that really influenced my decision when it came time for college. It was like, okay, what am I going to do? And I had thought I wanted to be a photographer. And then, you know, those first couple years of college, you're like inundated with, you know, advisors and these these different things that your parents, obviously their expectations, what they think and everyone in my family from my mom's side anyway, were teachers. And that was just kind of what I always thought I would do. I always thought I'll be an English teacher. You know, I like to write. I like to read. That's just a part of who I am. And so the photography part of it, I thought was really kind of superfluous and like, oh yeah, I like to do photos, but that's like the fun thing. Like I could never make a living doing that, you know? And I kind of believed a lot of, I guess, what I heard from my family and and obviously my own doubts. So anyway, whenever I was in college, I was doing photography on the side. So it was like go to class and then on the weekends and during the summers, I was shooting weddings. I was photographing babies, seniors, couples, whatever people would have me photograph. And I actually started to shoot some boudoir then too, like around 2010 or so. At the time, I just – boudoir just came so easily to me. I was like, oh, this is just I – I feel like this is so fun. I can do anything. I have this one person where we can just make whatever we want and have fun and just laugh and not take it that seriously. But then in the end, have these beautiful, empowering images and – yeah, so that was in college. So really my college experience, it was weird. I went to a couple different schools. But when I got married in 2011, my husband and I were living in a really tiny town. So right now we live in a small town in Missouri. But this town we lived in, oh my gosh, it was like a tenth the size of the town we're in now. And there was one stoplight. I mean, it was tiny, tiny. And it was a stretch for me to get, you know, a few seniors, babies, stuff like that. But right around that time, I got invited to some photography Facebook groups. So I was halfway through college. And one of the groups I got invited to was In Bed with Sue. And I remember just really noticing the difference between that group and a lot of the other photography groups I was in. For instance, my Missouri PPA chapter group that I was in, I ended up going to some local conferences. I started to meet some photographers who had run successful businesses for several years. And I started to get some mentors. And I was like, oh, maybe this is what I should do. Like, these people are doing it. And that alongside the In Bed with Sue Facebook group um, and then watching Sue on Creative Live, I really just started to – see this as an actual possibility. This was, yeah, I think like 2011 or 12. And what was crazy, Nikki, is that this whole time I'm sitting in this small town thinking like, oh, I would love to do this women's portraiture. I mean, Sue's style is so soft and it's so beautiful. And even the sexy images aren't male gazy. And it's all about the women. You know, it's all about these women. And she just sees people and meets them where they are. And that was what I loved most about photography. And so this whole time I'm thinking, this is what I want to do. Like, And I was still just had that self-talk. Like, no, no one's going to pay for that. That's not what people value in this area. Like seriously, Midwest women, you're going to get them to spend more than a couple hundred bucks on themselves, like, good luck, you know, all those different blocks. And in the meantime, every time I saw my sister, every time one of my friend's spent the weekend with me, whatever. What did we end up doing? I did their hair and makeup. Oh, hey, this dress I found at a thrift store a couple weeks ago fit you perfectly. You know, put them in this dress and (laughs) use whatever window light looked pretty and just worked with what I had. And I was shooting this style of imagery and it just gave me so much life. I just dream it up and it would just be everything. And yet I was still doing weddings, which were exhausting. And I was a pretty, a pretty average price wedding photographer for my area, which in the Midwest, what people don't spend quite as much on weddings as they do like on the coasts. So even the wedding photography thing, it was kind of like, it was more predictable money. It still wasn't good money by any means. And I was doing that a lot on the weekends. And so I was just doing all that stuff. And Then whenever I graduated from college, this was 2013, and I had had the plan for about a year at that point. I'm going to finish my English degree, so I still stuck with that. (laughs) I majored in (laughs) English literature, which now I'm thankful I did, and I'll get to that in a minute. But it's kind of cool to go to college and, like, have to read all the greatest Literature. That's
0: kind of right. Like thing totally. To and that's what I was gonna so. <laughs> say too. To like help write your website, you know, with copy and things like that. Like clearly, oh, you know, you have the absolutely. talent to write. So yeah. Yeah. So I got to get really good at that. And I got to get really good at essay
1: writing. And Nikki. hmm When I started to really specialize in women's portraiture, so it wasn't till around 2015, 2016, I started to move that direction. It was my writing that I think helped get me to that point, but it was also my greatest marketing tool. People didn't really respond to the discounts. I mean, not really the right people. I found that I would have people inquire with me just based on, hey, I read this blog post you wrote and it made me cry. And how soon can I Book you for a photo shoot. That's totally ah, how I feel, you know. Okay, so that yeah. really became, yeah, it became the way that I connected with people, and also the way that I got through the process. Because really, looking back now, the biggest difference between those first few years in my photography business, starting in 2013, and then going over the next couple of years till I started to really specialize in women's portraiture, was. Before I could get to the point where I could look a woman in the eye and say, you're worthy, you're beautiful, you're worth doing something like this for yourself, I had to believe that about my own self. And that was definitely the biggest breakthrough. And I 100% owe that to Sue Bryson, the education site in the community, because that's what she talks about, right? She talks about Mirror Mirror, and which I laugh every time I think of because every time I listen to that video from a couple of years ago. It's like a wonderful punch in the face, like every time. (laughs) (laughs) And just talk about like, hey, everything that you're attracting to yourself is what you're putting out. So it's your greatest teacher always. So I think that that process of me getting to the point where I had to say in my own life, I'm worth having the career I want to have. I'm worth writing these blog posts that are very countercultural for my area. And I'm worth, you know, these things. I had to get to the point where I would do it until I could genuinely say that to someone else.
0: I love that you brought that up because it is. Sometimes it's so important to have your own value around what you do before you can sell it to someone else. And I'm curious, so you had said a little bit ago that once you joined Sue's Facebook group, you said all of a sudden you could start to see yourself do it. Was that because of learning about the self-value piece or what exactly was it that made this this big shift that was like, okay – I can do this.
1: I think it's because I saw a woman who was, and I'm even talking about her early creative live days, just standing up clearly. She would cry sometimes, she would laugh. If she messed something up or fumbled something, she would just laugh it off. You know, she she was a person who was standing up on this live broadcast and just like pouring out her soul about why she loved doing what she did and like seeing these people, even just these models. And I know. To her, just like to be a woman on the other side of my camera is never even just a model, even if it's a demonstration. Like she saw them as like people, right? And that was just so different, especially eight, nine years ago, than what I was seeing on a lot of the mainstream photography education. It was more like, oh, here's how to fix this woman in front of your camera, unless she's a size two and 20 years old. It was never about, let's celebrate everybody for exactly who they are. And I think Sue was the first person who really started to bring that idea. And I really started to translate that over time to the bigger idea of, oh, maybe I don't have to be an exact certain way to be acceptable or worthy or have the life that I want to have. And so I think those two completely went hand in hand, and they still do for me. So I think that was it was the self value. It was that, but it was also just watching her interact with the people she photographed. And I started to see how it all went together.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you're working through the self value, but what about the rest of it? I mean, cause you had your English degree, but at this point you had a business as well. So you were, yes. what were you charging at this point? You know, were you making an income or, you know, how did all yes. of that Good question. translate? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Uh, (laughs) were you making an income? That's That's a great way.
1: I was hoping to. As I had mentioned, when I was in college, I was still doing the, by the end of college, I was doing like $250 for a photo shoot and a disc of images. I was doing those whenever I could more in the summer. By the time I graduated in May, 2013, opened my business, like got my tax ID, all that official stuff. I had a incredibly overwhelming price list. And I sold everything you could imagine. All of the products across three or four labs that I was like, ooh, someone might want that. Like I had that on my price (laughs) list. And I was like, times, (laughs) times four markup, you know, just kind of like one of those blanket, I don't know. So what started happening was I started doing the in-person sales, you know, that summer after I graduated and, oh, I just was so nervous those first few. And really what happened almost every time was people would look at all this stuff and then they'd be like, oh, because there was a package on there that was probably, I think my top package was like $2,200. So it wasn't that it wasn't anything. It was just people would be like, oh, but in this small photo book, I can get 20 pictures and it's $400. Okay. I want that. And I didn't really understand, (laughs) right. I didn't really understand at the time, the value of like each, each, image, no matter how it's printed. And I really had to focus so much on the products and not so much on the experience or the art or the fact that I made it. That was how that kind of misplaced value manifested itself in the way I sold.
0: Right. Like why would someone spend 2200 when they could get pretty much most of the photos for the 400 or whatever? It's like you have to build that value in the top packages. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. The biggest problem with it, now looking back, was it wasn't
1: serving my clients best either. (laughs) No one wants to look at a price list, and the average consumer does not understand even – many of them, like, what an 8 by 10 size actually is, unless they see it in front of them, let alone what a wall portrait, fine art, uh, whatever, you know, all those details. Like, they don't care.
0: And a confused mind says no. So when you're offering, you know, everything in the farm, they're going to be like, "Uh, it's just so overwhelming. And then they might not even end up making a sale because they can't make a decision. It's like, we have to be very mindful of that and help them narrow it down by only giving a few choices.
1: Yes. And that was the problem. I didn't know what I wanted to offer. And so that reflected itself. Clearly, I didn't put the time in or gotten the discernment to say, these are the products I want to proudly offer my clients because I think they serve that, you know, I was just like, oh, here's everything because of my own insecurity. And then as far as weddings went, I was doing (laughs) $1,800. for a full day coverage with an assistant. And I was also doing a complimentary engagement shoot with all the digital files. Oh, wow, yeah. And as I went to this new pricing structure with my in-person sales, I had albums and stuff on there and I had a decent markup for an album, but Nikki, no one's going to spend $1500 on an, their wedding album when they just spent 1800 on <laughs> everything else. I just right. it like doesn't make sense. Right. They're like, "Wow, that's a lot. I'm just going to take these digital files and go to Shutterfly." Like that's what they would do. And so even though I was trying to sell that stuff. The value wasn't there and I wasn't valuing the work or the time or anything. So of course my clients weren't. And I also, at that price point, I was at the very normal wedding photographer price point for my area. And that was the types of weddings I got. They were fine. I didn't, you know, we all have a couple nightmare clients every now and again, but it was all just fine. And I was tired every weekend and I had to miss out on Saturdays. And It was just, eh. so that was one of the ways that I was just keeping the money coming in. But besides that, it took a a lot of trial and error with the IPS to just get more comfortable with it. But I did get to a slightly better point. I still think my sales average couldn't have been above 900 bucks though, even about a year into working full time. So in 2014, so about a year and a half into owning the business and working full-time, we moved to Joplin, Missouri. So that's the town we live in now. It's right in the center of the country. And instead of living in a town of 5,000, we lived in a town of like 55,000, which still isn't big, but it's it's a nice job. It's bigger, And yeah. that's actually, <laughs> yes, it's actually where I grew up um, and my husband and I met in high school and it's also where his whole family lives. So he got a job there. He was a pastor. And we were living in a little duplex in 2014, and... Around this time, I started – the move kind of just – you know, when you move, you kind of get, like, new ideas and, oh, fresh start. Okay. And so at this point, I had had 28 days with Sue. I had gone through that program at this point. And so I thought, you know, I want to pare down my pricing guide a little bit because, oh, no, there's no way I would ever do three packages like Sue does because what I couldn't do it yet. <laughs> but I <laughs> pared it down a little bit, and I upped my prices a little bit. But I did start to offer – I started to do some like creative shoots in that Sue style. And we had a garage with actually gorgeous light in this tiny duplex. And so I painted like two black V-flats, put them up in the garage, and I had a reflector. And when one of my friends came over – For the day, I was like, hey, and I wrapped her up in this tool. It was like one of those dresses where it's like, don't move too much or like, you're not going to have any bottoms (laughs) on, you know? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And I'll fix the rest of Photoshop. We just like did this photo shoot. And I remember just when I posted her portraits and when she saw them, like the energy around it was so good. And I was getting this huge response. And so I started to, with some of my high school seniors, we would do their on-location photos. And then we'd do a few in my garage, you know, against like the black V-flat kind of clean, modern setting. And they really, really liked those photos. And I was doing some pretty good sales. I had, every once in a while, I'd have a sale around $2,200, but they were more in the probably $1,500 range at this point and not very regular. So then I did like a headshot day for a bunch of my friends and I photographed them in that style. And I remember people were kind of asking Oh, so is this the type of photography you do now? Like, do you have a studio now? Like, because they can't tell it's in a garage. And I said, well, basically, I'm going to kind of call this Lux portrait. That's the side of my business. And if you want to do a Lux portrait shoot with me, we'll do your hair and makeup. We'll do this kind of styling. It'll just be indoor. And that's what it's called. The rest of it's still under Bitsy Starkweather photography, but okay, Lux portrait. And I just called it that. And so I came up with a special little logo for that. And Over the next year, that became my main focus, just like playing with light, kind of building my folio, photographing my assistant, photographing my friends, photographing my dog, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) who's very photogenic, and just photographing myself and doing a lot more self-portrait work. And then in 2016, we bought a house and moved just to the other side of our neighborhood, actually. And it's a three-bedroom house, and we don't have kids. So we kind of planned, hey, these two extra bedrooms next to each other that were actually extra big, like the people who built the house just made them like 14 by 10 or something. And one of them had like a little, like a vaulted ceiling with a second window. So it had this gorgeous light. So we would do the photo shoots in my house. I would do the hair and makeup in one room. And then the other room was the photo shoot room. And I remember asking my friend Kristen if she would come and just kind of be my first test person like for the whole process. I, I was like, okay, I'm going to do her hair and makeup. We're going to do this five outfit photo shoot. And I've got some dresses and stuff picked out and some very simple backdrops and v flats. And we're just going to do it. And I'm going to do a little behind the scene video at the same time. So that was actually four years ago. It was in April of 2016. And I remember after that shoot, not only did she love the images, I did a printed reveal for her. I was just, I, I just wanted to try one out. I think I showed her about 20, five by seven matted images. And I remember just watching her reaction to them. And then her husband's my friend too, hearing his reaction. She and I had a lot of mutual friends in our area. So we posted the photos and I posted the video. And then Nikki, like within 24 hours, my inbox was just full.
0: Just all these
1: women I knew in my area, you know, from church, from different groups, from different whatever, friends of friends, you know, stuff spreads fast on Facebook when people are excited that their friends got cool pictures, right? So it just blew up. And I just started booking all of these sessions. And it was kind of like I was trying to play catch up to everything that was just happening. But the reality was, I was also writing a lot. I was getting to the point where I was clear about what I was doing and why I was doing it. You know, I was clear about those intentions. And I went at this point completely to a Sue price sheet. So my smallest package was 7.95 dollars six a folio box of six images. And I think the hair and makeup photo shoot fee was only $1.95 at the beginning for two. I started with that. I did the voucher thing. Oh my goodness. The gift voucher thing was how I got so many of those first shoots.
0: And some people would spend
1: $300 at their reveal and some from those vouchers spent $2,500.
0: So when your inbox was full then, which I love that you brought that up, sometimes it only takes one really great shoot and for that person to be an evangelist and tell people about you to attract so many other clients. And the other thing too is you did that value work up front and that is just, it's such a great example of why Sue teaches so much about that because it really does set the stage and set the rest of your business you know as you're moving forward. So your inbox is full and then you said gift vouchers. Now when people reach out to you did you offer a gift voucher right away or how did that <laughs> yes. work? Yes. Yeah, I did the same yes. I see the same thing. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: I literally had these people reach out and be, like, in an email, like, hey, Mitzi, I know this isn't going to be, like, 300 bucks or something. I know this is going to be, like, a decent investment. How can I sign up? When can I do it? And I'd be like, great, here's a voucher for a free makeover photo shoot plus $100 towards your portraits.
0: Right, when they probably would have booked without that voucher. Absolutely. Like, absolutely.
1: I've done absolutely. the same thing. <laughs> But again, that's where I was, right? That's I was still kind of at oh, when's my luck gonna run out? like I'm getting these people in but yeah because I probably just reached the five people in my town who want this and then it's probably gonna go away kind of thing, right? And it was really amazing to me how I mean especially looking back, the women who who I attracted into my business, it's still the case during seasons when I felt, desperate or scarcity-minded or needy or that's the type of clients I would attract versus the people who I simply put what I made out there and why I wanted to do it. And the right people saw that and just it's like a magnet, right? There wasn't that neediness, that need for validation, all that stuff. And so through the next several seasons of my business, I had to work through those blocks. I had to work through not just like the money mindset stuff, but the way I would try to get clients whenever a slow month did start coming or every like every winter. Oh my goodness, you know, it, whenever the December rush is over and then you kind of come back from the holidays and you're like, "Okay, my books are open." Uh, it's January. Women aren't feeling super fabulous right now and they don't really (laughs) want to do a photo shoot or spend money. (laughs) And uh, how do I get them? You know, like every time you, you have to revisit those pain points. You have to revisit those parts of you that you can ignore whenever the inbox is full and the people are just coming. Right. And so I just see it so seasonally in that way. And I feel like that completely was congruent with my personal growth.
0: That makes so much sense. Definitely. And I think that's just part of business in general. It's going to ebb and flow. And if we can keep paying attention to when we're doing great and keep paying attention to, like you said, the mentality around everything, and then we're prepared for when it does kind of like slow down a little bit, you know exactly what to do. You've been there, done that, and then you can just pick it right back up again.
1: Yes. And you know, one way that I've found has worked really well, I guess, in my area the flow of my business is I started to do it a couple of years ago. So with my vouchers now, I still have the voucher system to some degree. It is a $395 value. So that's the hair, makeup, and photo shoot for two is normally $295. And then it includes $100 toward your portrait purchase of a collection. So I call my folio box or album, you can pick which format you want, a collection. And so you get $100 off of that. And my bottom collection is 10 portraits for $1,500. So they couldn't put that $100 toward, you know, my smallest wall portrait, but they can put it towards something bigger. Um, so I actually started to sell those. And now I do it twice a year. It's kind of my only deal, I guess. But I, in November, I sell those vouchers that are worth $395 for $295. In the past, I did 150, then I bumped it up to 200, you know, and, and now it's like, basically you save $100. That is valid from January when we come back to work until March 31st. So I started to sell those. Yep. Booked Problem it solving. it up. <laughs> yes. So yes. smart. This past fall, we sold, I think, 10 or 11 of them. And I mean, that That was great. That was like a great way to beef up our spring calendar. And then also, well, not this year because of everything going on, but we would do it in April in time for Mother's Day. So I'm still kind of waiting on how things go to see if I'll do that. But that really books up our summer. And that really fills up our June and July, which would otherwise be a little slower.
0: Now, you say we and our. Now, I know that your husband, Jordan, is now your business partner. He does this with you. Yes. Tell us how that happened, and because I know you said he was a pastor before. Mm -hmm. Okay, so tell us how that all happened. Yes, so that
1: really brings up basically to the timeline where I left off. In late 2016, early 2017, he really got to a point in his career as a pastor where he was very burnt out. And I think for any of us who have been in a career that you're very personally invested in, that's kind of one of the dark places it can go sometimes is because it does require a lot of you. And so he was in a season of burnout and he kind of just came to a crossroads in his career. And what's so cool is that he saw the freedom and life and creativity in what I was doing because it was really taking off. I was booking consistent number of shoots a month. I was hitting sales goals. I had a pretty good sales average. You know, he was seeing all this really happen for my business. And I think he looked at the place where he was at and he thought, oh, wait, like someone can have that. (laughs) And so really, he got to a point where he decided to leave his position. And part of that was it was scary. I know for him and for me on the one hand, because, okay, we're not getting the salary that we've always just kind of counted on. But we also said at that time, take a few weeks off. Come join me at the end of March. This is March 2017. And work with me for, I don't know, a couple months. Because really, I had gotten to the point in the business where I needed help. I needed help with marketing. The website that I had kind of cobbled together two years before needed to be updated. You know, all these different things needed to happen. Um, Products needed to change. Graphic design needed to be updated. We needed to bring a lot of polished edges in. And also, my work was, I was still doing all my retouching at the time. Good lord. Mm. So I was also at the point where the time that it was taking for me to build folios and package orders was pretty significant. And I'm of the mind where if someone's paying two grand for this, it needs to look perfect when they it shows up to them, right? And I didn't want to cut corners. And so he is a very detail oriented person. Um, And actually, in the churches that he'd worked at, he because he's an amazing graphic designer, he did all their graphic design, he did a lot of event planning, he did a lot of coordinating, and he really was a details man. So it was kind of a really good fit for him. And I thought, you're gonna bring in a lot of the things that I lack or the things that I don't wanna do. So I said, if nothing else, come work with me for a few months. If you don't like it, if it doesn't work out, you can find another job and I'll hire someone, but let's see how it goes. So over those next few months, Nikki, it was so hard. (laughs) I am not even going to sugarcoat it. It was <laughs> – <laughs> I was in tears at least once a week. Uh, <laughs> there would be doors that slammed. There would be very difficult conversations. But really, it was growing pains. I see that now. It was –
0: Yeah, that's what I was wondering. What, what was <laughs> making it so hard? I mean, I think – Working with a spouse or partner or whatever, it, I could see how it could have certain challenges. Yes, but I'm curious because I know I've seen the two of you in person. You seem to get along really well. Like you have great chemistry. Like, what was it about <laughs> yeah. this transition oh, that made it so hard?
1: Right, we're best friends. I mean, we were best friends even before we started dating. You so can that tell. it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't like oh, my hubby and I are home all the time and we don't have anything to talk about. It was never like that. It was like. I had this person suddenly who questioned me in my business. <laughs> and that was difficult for me, especially as, you know, around this time we joined the Sue Bryce Education website and he really got on board with Sue Bryce in his own personal way. Like he'd heard me talk about her. He's like, oh, you know, she's great. Obviously she's done all this for your business. But like he started watching her videos. He started doing some of that self-value work. And what would just infuriate me beyond anything would be, I would say, Hey, you know, this time is coming up. It's kind of slow. I'm going to run this discount or I'm going to do like this thing. And I'd like loosely describe a mini session or something. He'd be like, Um, I think you're really getting into scarcity mentality right now. I don't think (laughs) that's really not. Remember that video we watched from Sue Bryce last week, and I would just get so mad that I was like, "Yes, you're right." (laughs) And so I think it was being challenged on that, and it was also having to put systems in place because I'm one of those people who I would rather have to hunt for something on my desktop for. Twelve seconds every time I need it because I know it's kind of in that upper right hand corner. Yeah, right. Then, like, actually go in and just put it in a folder where anyone could find it, and you know, name my files correctly and all
0: that stuff. Oh, Mitzi, I am so with you on that. I am so. It's so ridiculous. If anyone had to try to figure out where anything is of mine, I'd be screwed. Seriously, like, there's no way. <laughs> so bad.
1: <laughs> I know. I've I've thought about that before. Like. I really had to start seeing the benefit of that myself and seeing like, oh, wow, that does make this a lot easier. Okay, like, you know, I had to, but I think it's just, it's also the other side because every personality weakness is also a personality strength on the other end. And I'm one of those people who I can get thrown into any portrait situation, any person, any hiccup, and I can remain calm, I can problem solve, I can just just make it work. That's more difficult for him. So, you know, we really are kind of different in that area. And we've helped each other grow in those areas where we're weaker. But I think that over those first few months of him working with me, he also had a big learning curve because he was, he's still not really a photographer. Like that's not what he does. And he had a whole new industry to learn about and a whole new business to learn about. And so it was a lot of the guidance and teaching that was great. But as he started to become more of a peer, me it wasn't so much of me being the teacher and him being the student and it was more of a partnership that really was challenging for me because I'm a proud person and I don't like to be wrong (laughs) but we worked through it and I think in those next few months we actually got an intern for several weeks like a summer internship kind of thing for with a college student friend of ours and had I not had that experience with him in those previous months I don't think I would have given her any responsibility I don't think I would have delegated to her at all. I had to start learning how to delegate, and I think that's very challenging for a lot of people, especially when you're so passionate about what you do and you just, you think if something's going to be done right, you better do it yourself. I used to think that, and I don't think that anymore. And in the last couple of years, I've delegated a lot more.
0: Well, and that's how you grow. In order to grow your business, you have to have help you can't do it all. I mean, you've got to trust that there are people who can do certain things better than you, or you can teach them to do do them how you want to do them. I mean, truly, growth means bringing people on board. And what are the things that Jordan does in the business?
1: Yeah. So he actually jokingly made up the title Media Luminary, and then he ended up telling it to a table full of peers (laughs) who were all very impressed by the title. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> soon after that and he put it on facebook and stuff and now it's just in his email signature but we i mean that really is his job title now it's media luminary so he is in charge of all the graphic design he does our website he built one from scratch that first summer after he joined wow. the business with me that's
0: impressive your your website's amazing that's very impressive thank you yes and he's actually working on
1: an updated one right now so he does all of that he he makes sure all the contact forms are synced up and all the tech, everything, because that is just not my wheelhouse. And he has a lot of knowledge just about computers and about all kinds of things. Like I've had moments where my computer crashes and just goes black. And I'm like, Jordan, help. And then I just go work (laughs) on something else and he can just fix it, like no matter what it is. And then the following year in 2018, we actually got our first commercial studio space. So he was completely in charge of like the design of that, a lot of the work, like handyman type stuff, I guess, but a lot of the planning and functionality. And for all of our like reveals, digital products, he also does all of our order packaging and delivering. And Worries about making sure we're stocked on everything that we need. So in our home office, I need a Jordan.
0: I'm like, is Jordan for hire? (laughs) Seriously, I need a Jordan.
1: (laughs) And here's the other thing a big part of his job, and it might sound small, but it's not. It's what we just call polished edges. So one of my photography friends brought that term up to me a few years ago. And I love it because when you are a business that wants to be considered a little higher end, a little more luxury, I guess, those polished edges make all the difference, just having that consistency. And he was the guy when he worked at churches who would notice that the locks were broken in the bathroom when everyone else didn't care. And he would say, no, we have to fix that because people who visit aren't gonna come back if they think that, someone's just going to walk in the bathroom while they're in there, right? It's those type of details that he notices that I just don't, or I just get used to from everything from the website to our social media marketing, to uh, our email, all of that, my blogs as well. I can pretty much for any copy that we need on posts or emails or blogs, I just kind of cold type it into an email from him whenever I get inspired. And then he just formats it, puts it into the right thing, does all that. Like, Oh legwork. my gosh. This yes. is like
0: so dreamy. It's so dreamy that you have him to do this. I think that like me, I think there are a lot of people out there who are in the position where business is going so great. Like I have a super successful business, but the only way that I'm going to grow more is to have someone take on these tasks that I'm avoiding, that I'm not polishing the edges yes. of, of the tech part, the ordering, all of the things that I dread. And so I sort of avoid. I bet you there are so many people out there who can relate to that, but who are kind of afraid to take the step to hire that person. Now, granted, Jordan's your husband. so, But at the same time, like you said, he left a salary. So technically, you were hiring someone at X amount because now you've lost his salary. So Exactly. You must have been making enough at that point consistently to say like, okay, I think I can hire Jordan really. So for people out there who are maybe like on the border of like, I don't know if I want to spend the money to hire someone. Can you give them any sort of advice of how to do that? Or when do you feel like you are fully ready? You know, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's the same type of question that I kind of wrestled with when I was thinking about outsourcing my retouching, which I do now. And Jordan actually kind of made me because he was sick of me complaining about my chronic (laughs) wrist pain and working till 10 p.m. a lot of nights that I didn't need to. But really, it's are you going to make at least that much money back because you're doing it? That's a big question that I like to counter that question with. So for instance, when I think of all the roles that Jordan plays, all the things that he does, has that allowed, you know, as I look back over three years, us to bring in more money and me focus on the things that I love to do and me be in a better headspace when I'm working, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. We have made all that back and more, right? And it's the same with my retouching. I just raised my session fee to cover it. So I told myself, worst case scenario, they don't buy any. Well, it was covered in their session fee. So I just did that. And it has opened up so much time and energy and just the emotional energy as well because I would put retouching off. I got to the point where I just – I would just put it off and put it off because I just didn't want to do it. And I think when you're in a business like ours where we can't just phone it in, especially as a portrait photographer and when you're doing women's portraiture like we are, you can't just – phone it in and just show up and like half do your job one day and clock in and out. That's just not, that doesn't work for me. I have to be able to be there with my heart, my soul, and my mind and be in a good energy. And so the more I can put things around in my life and people to fulfill those tasks and do the things that they're good at so I can focus on what I'm good at, yes, the monetary value needs to be there. Yes, you need you don't need to be going into debt for your business constantly. That's obviously the money smarts need to be there. But to me, it is just as valuable that I enjoy my life. (laughs) And I look forward to this job that I chose because really it comes down to, I could probably, we both could probably make similar money just being like middle management at some company. (laughs) I wouldn't love my job, but at least, you know, I'd probably make the same amount of money, have a comfortable living. But I'm owning my own business. And so a lot of times I have to check in with myself and say, I'm running my own business because I want it to add to my life. And I want to do the thing that I feel like I'm created to do. And I want to give back in this way. And I want to influence people's lives for the better. So if I'm in a place where I'm not doing that right now, why? And what can I get rid of? What can I outsource so that I am doing this for the reason that I wanted to do it in the first place?
0: Absolutely. I mean, isn't that why we do what we do? Part of it is just that freedom to just live the life that we want, to make our own schedule, to decide when we're going to work and when we're not and take vacations. And to be building this life for yourself, that you're setting yourself up just for happiness is such a cool thing. It really, truly is. And it also sounds like when choosing to hire out you know in order to make your quality of life better and to grow your business it seems like you can't just pick anyone like it's got to be someone who does has the opposite skills that you do <laughs> clearly it needs to be someone who is complementary to you otherwise it seems like it wouldn't work
1: Oh, right. And I think, I always think of it like in the movies, like the actor and their agent, they portray the actor as like, all like, you know, dramatic and all this. But then whenever they, the agent is there to like, make sure all the ducks are in a row, make sure they're getting paid. make You know, you have to have that balance. And I think that for Jordan and me, another big area where having him worked with me has helped so much is the fact that okay, I have a therapist that I go to. That's very important. I struggle with severe anxiety. So I I just go to therapy. But Jordan is like my informal work therapist a lot. (laughs) And I really try to, I, I realize that that could be like an unhealthy situation for him. But at the same time, he was a pastor, right? He's very good at just, Being someone to sit down with and just talk about what you're going through, and he hears it and he says, Okay, it sounds like this, this, and this, or what about this and this? He's really my sounding board for so much of what I do. And before I had that, you know, I was stuck in my own head a lot more. And so I feel like that's one of his most valuable roles, and I know it's not even on paper, and I know he probably wouldn't even mention it because it's just who he is. So I think having someone, too, you can work with that you can just be real with and you can have real conversations with because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how productive you are if you're productive in the wrong direction. Sometimes just us having coffee for three hours— on a Tuesday afternoon, just sets up our whole quarter for way more success than if I was just hammering out a bunch of retouching for those three hours, right? And you can't even compare them. So I think that when it comes to the people you choose to work with in your business, even your makeup artists, like the energy that they carry, like the type of people they are, I mean, be who you are. And I think those people will really be attracted to you. And I think one of the things that in the last two years. So we moved to our downtown studio spring of 2018. And one thing I didn't anticipate with that move was how plugged in we would get with other local business owners. So several of my closest friends in this area do own businesses like bakeries and little shops, cinemas, stuff like that. And so... I feel like so much of the information I've learned from Sue, I have gotten to share with so many of these other small-town creatives, entrepreneurs, passionate people, and I have conversations with people, and it's like their mind is blown. Like, I'll talk about things like more for more, not less for less, and, you know, these different principles that Sue talks about, and giving value, and focusing on service, and... And people are just like, huh. Like, I can't even tell you how many times I've sat across from a friend. And I'm just like, no, stop discounting. Why are you discounting? Tell me why. Like, (laughs) explain why. What is the point? How is this helping anything, (laughs) you know? And we just really try to break it down and get to the why. And also, hey, it's charge a living wage. Like, come on. It's You don't have to just be a pauper and be like, oh, woe is me. I run this business and we barely make ends meet. It's like, okay, well, if that's... (laughs) If that's your goal to barely scrape by, that is all you will ever do. And you are worth more than that. And it is not selfish or bad or whatever to expect to pay your bills every month and be able to afford health insurance. That should just be the standard.
0: It's so true. And and I love that you brought this up because I think it's really smart for you to do this. It's almost like you're mentoring other women business owners and it seems twofold. One, you're helping them. <laughs> you know, what Sue teaches around all of this and just building businesses and the money mindset and everything, it applies, it's not just for photographers, it applies to, to everyone. And the fact that you're helping them, one, it feels good, right, to help other people. And also they trust you and they're like, okay, well, if she's trying to help me in this way, clearly I can trust her. And then three, like, I'm wondering if that helps you to convert people yes. into clients. Oh, so it's it like does. you're serving them and focusing on service and helping other people. And in the end- who are they going to think to do their photos? You.
1: Absolutely. And do you think they're going to ask me for a discount
0: <laughs> after that? Like, no. You're setting the <laughs> stage. So smart, Missy, because you are setting the stage that they know. They know the drill. You have prices, and this is what it is, and this is what I cost. But they're going to want you, one, because you're an amazing photographer, and two, because you've built the connection. You're building the relationships. You're making them feel special. It's funny because it all goes back to what you said at the beginning of you felt – that the education you were getting from Sue was different because it was the connection it was building relationships it was making people feel important and special and seen and taking them for who they are right now and then it's like all coming full circle it seems absolutely and when
1: i sit across from someone like i said i'm i'm pretty introverted if i meet someone and i get a vibe from them that we're going to be friends like we would just will be. And those, we're probably going to be friends for years. It's one of those things. I really don't like small talk, disingenuous friendships, any of that. I wasn't in drama, into the drama scene in high school with the girls' back. Like, I was just like, no, just tell me how it is and I'll tell you how it is in the end. And like, tell me your hopes and dreams, you know? <laughs> like, that's just who I've always been. And I think that when I sit down with a friend who owns a business and is just doing that as a vulnerable thing, right? Just opening up a business, especially something that you're passionate about. And I sit across from them and just talk to them about where they're at, why they're feeling burnt out now. Why haven't they taken a day off in four months? Why, you know, all these things. It's such a raw, real conversation. Just like when someone walks into my studio, especially during the consultation, right? And she sits down and she says something like, hey, I have this weird idea for a photo shoot, but will you just hear me out? I lean forward and I'm just like, yes, that is what I live for. I know we just met five minutes ago. Tell me your stuff. Let's do it. Like, I love that, you know, and I think I reciprocate that vulnerability. And so in any type of situation, like a conversation over coffee or a glass of wine or whenever I get to spend some time with friends or whenever I'm sitting down with someone during their photo shoot and I sit across from them during hair and makeup, I don't tune out that part. I sit there. I think the hair and makeup time is so, so important for the relationship building and for me getting to get to know my client and just to talk and, you know, all that and just hear them because the reality is when someone's sitting across from my camera, they are probably at the most vulnerable they've ever been or probably have ever been for a while, right? Especially when it's boudoir and their clothes are physically gone. It is this incredible space, and I love it because the person who, at 12 years old, was socially awkward, weird, genuine... I don't know. The boys weren't into her. Like (laughs) I had weird interests, weird hobbies, all this. And I wanted to just have genuine relationships with people. And I felt like I was weird for caring so much. That girl now at almost 30 years old can sit in this situation and be like, oh, but this is what I was meant to do with that. This is the way that I can give back to people because I'm okay with sitting in silence or sitting with someone I just met and them crying and me just seeing them for who they are, not having to fix it not having to make anything of it, not having to make them be someone they're not, but just to let them simply exist. And I think that when a woman can sit in front of your camera and just be who she is, that is so powerful. There's no selling after that in the salesy sense. There's no, it just becomes a relationship. And some of my closest friends now have been people who found me after I started to shoot Lux Portrait. One of my clients, she was the first boudoir client I had in 2016, after I switched to the whole luxe portrait type model, she was the first boudoir client I had who walked into her consultation, sat down and said, so I have this boyfriend. He's fine. Like, he's great. I love him. But I want to do this for me. And it was that whole change, right? And she's now actually one of my good friends and is coming in for her third photo shoot this summer. So... It's just one of those things where I built relationships with people and built kind of a culture around it. And the fact that I'm in a smaller town of only 50,000 people means our name is pretty recognized now. And there's a group of women that I have photographed who have become the people that I'll have a wine social with. The women that I reach out to when I hear about cool opportunities in town that empower women. You know, It's just like this community that started. And to see the way that these women have grown and some like crazy life changes they've made after a photo shoot. I'm just so surprised and humbled by that sometimes because I'm like, wow, all I did was create this space for you to just come be who you are. And if you made an amazing life change after that, because of this experience, like, wow, awesome. It was all you who chose to do it. It was, I just created the space. And so that's where I love to focus my energy. That's where I love to focus my innovative type questions is just basically how can we make this better and how can I not make myself better I guess more how can I be the most authentic version of myself
0: to encourage women to be the most authentic versions of themselves oh it's such a beautiful thing it really is it sounds like you treat your clients so well with providing such great service and just that's really what it's all about in the end and you get to make a great living doing it. I mean, what's you know what's be- better than that? So it's wonderful. yes. <laughs> well, thank you seriously, thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's you just bring such a great perspective and I also loved hearing just about how you and Jordan work together. It's really cool and it's making me question myself and why I haven't <laughs> hired a studio manager. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so hopefully you will inspire some people out there who are on the fence to go for it. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So we are at the point now where I get to ask you the questions that I ask everyone at the end of the episode. Cool. And number one is, what is something you can't live without when you're shooting? I cannot live without (laughs) this
1: $30 laptop table from Amazon. (laughs) It's basically this little black adjustable table with wheels, and it works really well as a posing table. But mainly it's like a Mitzi sets her snacks and lenses on table and also like (laughs) my water and it can just wheel around. And then whenever I am like sitting in – I have like a big armchair where I sit in the studio when I'm waiting for stuff and when I'm doing reveals. I can just pull that up and I can just eat my takeout on it. And eating is a very big part of my life. So I really enjoy that. But also it's just – my assistant and I find new uses for it like every day. So it's just this little black – laptop table and you could use it for so many things in your studio. It's also adjustable and it's like 30 bucks. So highly recommend.
0: Awesome. I'll have to check that out. Okay. Number two, how do you spend your time when you're not doing photo shoots?
1: Oh, well, that's a pretty easy question. The first thing is my dogs. I love them so much. They're my babies. I have two dogs and I love to walk them and play with them and snuggle them and just gaze at them and pet them for a long period of time, <laughs> <laughs> especially when I'm feeling really anxious or stressed out. So they've been actually, uh, while we've been homebound these last few weeks, they've been so, so wonderful. But the other thing I love is movies. And I I was trying to think of how to narrow this down. Because if someone's like, Mitzi, what's your favorite movie? I'm like, oh, that's impossible to answer that question. But I think I really like really, really good movies and really, really bad movies. That's like what I like to go for. So for instance, right now we're in our TV room and there's like a Breakfast at Tiffany's poster. There's Casablanca, Blade Runner, Back to the Future, those are all great. But I also just really love, like, bad, like, 80s and 90s, like, action movies that were, like, written and directed and started by the same guy who just wanted to blow a bunch of stuff up, you know? <laughs>
0: That's so funny. Yeah. I remember I made a post on my Instagram story. I can't even remember what question I asked at this point, but on my story, and you had responded about <laughs> your, like, bad 80s, 90s action movies or something. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't know that about you. Pretty funny. Yeah,
1: and you know... As I always do, I have to overthink why I like things and have a philosophy about them. But I think one thing I love about him so much is that I can walk out of one of those like, man, this guy made this movie and he's not good at it. And he spent a lot of time and effort and money but, like, I still watched it and had a good time with my friends. And, like, what excuse do I have not to make whatever I want to make? I think that's why I like it so much. A strong gin and tonic definitely helps with the process. But I think it's just <laughs> fun and goofy. And and so, yeah, so movies are great. I also recently watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which just came out. But it's streaming on Hulu right now. And if you are a women's portrait photographer, oh, my goodness, it is beautiful, inspiring, one of the best films I've seen all year.
0: Oh, nice. I'll have to watch it. I haven't heard of it yet. Okay, number three. What is your favorite inspirational quote? Oh, okay. So
1: I have a quote that's been kind of up in my office for a few years now, and I come back to it a lot. It says, the pencil is sharp enough to say what needs to be said by Tanya. Mm. Yes, Tanya Giesler said it. She is a really awesome kind of online personality coach who talks a lot about imposter syndrome and she talks a lot, especially to female business owners. And so I love that quote because first of all, I write, never with a pencil, always has to be a pen for me, but I write a lot and I I love that she said, it's always sharp enough. You don't have an excuse. It's so easy, I think, to get caught up in Okay, I need to have more experience at this thing. I I need. Uh, it's already been said. It's uh, blah blah blah. You know, all those types of things that I think we can get caught up in to not create the thing we want to create. And I just try to remove all of that and say no. I'm just going to make it, whether I share it or not. I just need to create what's in my heart to create because it's important, just for that reason.
0: I love that. Yep, I've never heard that quote. I'm glad you shared that one. Okay, uh, number four. What would you say to people who are just getting started? What would I say to people who are just getting started? I would say
1: what makes you weird is what makes you great. And that's something I heard a while ago. And that's totally what I would tell my teenage self right now if I could. The things that make you stand out or make you feel insecure or the things that don't seem to make you fit in with everyone else are probably the most incredible things that you actually have to offer the world, and that's why they're weird. So the things that that you're kind of trying to shove down that are so close to your face because they're just part of you that you probably take for granted, those are the things you need to bring out and share with the world because that's why people will hire you. That's why people will listen to you. That's that unique perspective that you have. So pay attention to that because I think when you're starting out, I know for me, I was just trying to push myself into a mold of what I thought a female photographer business owner should be whatever that was and it was so opposite to who I was and so I think don't look at that mold yes get good at your craft get good at what you do you can't suck at what you do and still charge money for it but once you get to the point where you're competent with those things just just go for them and put your own spin on it and be proud of it that's great advice okay what's next for you Well, actually, yesterday, we moved into our new studio space, so it's still in downtown Joplin. Yes. um, It's just a couple blocks away from our old one, but it's just an upgrade in many ways. Like We have an elevator and reliable heating and air and (laughs) all those kind of things. Um, Really amazing landlords that are actually past clients of mine uh, who we're excited to be able to work with and be with, and we're just kind of upgrading. We planned that a couple months ago. So because it is kind of a stay-at-home situation, we have more time to pour into really getting that space set up the best way we can so that whenever we're taking shoots again, we're just good to go. So that's really exciting.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a silver lining to have that time for you guys.
1: Yeah, and I think the main question I keep asking with it is how is this going to make my experience better for my clients? So that Mm -hmm. was a lot of the questions Mm -hmm. we asked when we did choose to upgrade our space. And so that's the energy I wanna go in with and I'm really excited.
0: Oh, that's exciting. You'll have to post pictures once it's ready. I'd love to see them. Oh, I will. (laughs) And where can we find you if people are looking for you um, online? You can find me probably most on
1: Instagram at Mitzi Starkweather. I'm also on Facebook, Mitzi Starkweather Photography. And if you want to follow, I don't know, my weird thoughts and black and white photography and just kind of more personal side of Instagram, that's Sincerely Mitzi.
0: Oh, I didn't know you had that page. I'll have to check it out.
1: Yeah, I don't really post about it, but I think I just posted a picture of my dog's because I did a glamour shoot of my dogs, because I couldn't photograph anyone else. And I posted a bunch of those. And that was really fun. Yeah, I I think Instagram is probably the best. But then I'm also on Facebook. All right, awesome.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you so much for all of this good information and just for sharing your story. And yeah, I think people are really going to love it. So thank you so much for
1: having me and just for being a part of this amazing community because it just gets better all the time. And I'm really excited that I got to share something with everyone today. Yeah. Awesome.
0: All right. Well, tell Jordan hello and I I will will see you online soon. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Nikki. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and eight frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX 100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.